Welcome back to Teaching Matters, the University of Edinburgh's hub for discussing, promoting, and showcasing teaching and learning at the university. We are a blog, website, podcast, and maybe most importantly, a small group of people passionate about providing platforms for conversations surrounding teaching and learning. This is from our Learning and Teaching Conference series. The Institute for Academic Development's own Kathy Bobel ran the conference and did an absolutely smashing job. I'll let her introduce the series. My name's Kathy Bobel. I'm a senior lecturer in student engagement based in the Institute for Academic Development. I was the lead for the University of Edinburgh's 2021 Learning and Teaching Conference, and we attracted a vast range of fantastic presentations covering work from across the university at the conference this year. And I'm delighted to say that the Teaching Matters will be highlighting many of the presentations and some of the contributors who who were sharing their work more widely at the university over the coming weeks and months. We had presentations that covered a wide range of topics, including building community, innovation in science teaching, equality, diversity, inclusion and social justice, experiential place-based and problem-based learning, assessment and feedback for the future, new lessons in digital teaching, insights from hybrid and online learning, student engagement and involvement, and interdisciplinary learning and teaching local and global challenges. So there's something there I hope for everybody in terms of the topics and the spread of great practice from across the university that colleagues are sharing. So I really encourage you to dip in to some of these contributions and I hope that you'll find something that's of interest and relevance to your practice. This episode is the second part of my conversation with Michael Daw. Previously, we discussed some of Michael's counterintuitive findings about assessment and marking. Michael outlined how while there isn't a gold standard for style of assessment or marking scheme, there's enough data to determine whether your assessment is doing what you're hoping for it to do. If you haven't heard it, I'd recommend listening to last week's episode, Does Your Assessment Really Discriminate Learning Attainment? When Michael started his analysis, one thing he was hoping to understand was if certain marking schemes led to the use of the full range of marks. During his presentation, however, someone posed the question, is it problematic not to be using the full range of marks? What's wrong with a narrow range of marks? In this episode, Michael addresses this very question while the two of us also discuss marking culture and student motivation. So, let's find out. Why do we aim to use the full range of marks in the first place? I love how you started out with the almost simple simple thought of, oh, let's let's find out which marking schemes tend to the largest range of marks and then end in this space where you're realizing that it's not necessarily that simple. The marking scheme doesn't necessarily determine the range of marks and then into this larger, more contextual view of viewing assessment by viewing like, what are we hoping that students get out of these assessments? And based on that, there are some schemes like you said, with the exam or the essay-based exam, that is not promoting the best range of marks. Maybe if your goal is to let the students at the very top shine and get that range of marks, that might not be the best scheme. And we've learned things like that. But at the same time, we're still very much in this 
trial and error time of contextually based on what you were trying to accomplish in your assessment. We now have some data for that, but we don't have any one size fits all approach to assessment. Yeah, definitely not. And I think I think it's something that for uh, a cellular scientist like me, it's very frustrating. I mean, I think the physicists must get even more frustrated is as a, as a scientist, you want to constrain all of your variables. You you want to have only one variable that you that you change, but that that can't happen in a real world education scenario. So everything that I that I look at, there's always ten other different things. As I say, different marking schemes tend to be used by different assessment. They also tend to be used by different courses. And if you get a culture of marking within a within a school in the university, you definitely get a culture of marking within a course. So there's all these other variables. So you can't say what's perfect, even if it were true. And I don't, I don't think it is true that there's something perfect, but you would, it's so difficult to spot because there are so many other variables. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way as being a math student and especially on the stat side of things, because, you know, the only way for that to happen were to be if all markers were robots, essentially, because you have to take away the personal side of it. But that would be generally quite enticing to actually have a solution and be able to say this is the ideal gold standard for marking. Yeah, and there is, of course, a lot of uh, a lot of people in the world trying to come up with uh, computerized automated marking for as many things as possible. <laughs> um, for for some pieces of work, that's possible, but for for many things where the where there is more subjective, that there isn't a correct thing for the students to say. You know, the the experts in a field disagree with each other, then course students are going to as well so <laughs> and the markers of the students are going to disagree so the, yeah the, for things like this i think automated marking uh, much though academics would love it it's yeah it's just not feasible sadly or not at the moment who knows where uh, ai will get to but um yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe we'll be having a conversation about this in 10 years and it'll be about uh the consequences from automated marketing mar- automated marking you know, well, the idea that things would change that quickly in 10, <laughs> 10 years is not <laughs> a modest estimation. Um, but bringing it back in, I do love how in general, there are no one size fits all solutions, but there are things like maybe targeting marking cultures by trying to get a group of markers in one room discussing it, which you have discussed, there are some barriers to doing so, but it might be a good starting point. And at the same time, opting for different styles of marking to expand the range of results versus sticking to what we know isn't currently working could be nice directions to explore if we want to showcase the full sense the full set of marks is am i am i getting that correctly yeah yeah yeah, definitely and i think one of my big points is actually think about what it is you're trying to achieve don't just do something because you because you think it's a good idea have to think about really are you doing what you think you're doing which you know certainly when i started being a, a course organizer, I just went, oh, oh, what, what sort of assessment can I do? I did assessment because I knew I had to do an assessment. I wasn't thinking about what I wanted to achieve with that. Um, I think I started off quite naive and a lot of my colleagues would certainly not have been at that level at that time. But I think it's it's important that we do give that a lot of consideration. Absolutely. And yeah, so I thank you. I appreciate you so much for taking this time to go through your presentation. Is there anything else that you have to add and in- the direction of where you'd like to see marking go or anything of that sort? Uh, one point I wanted to touch on that that uh, you actually mentioned in your emails, but you haven't brought up, but that um, came up in the, the presentation at the Learning and Teaching Conference was that, that I was asked, is it a problem if we do give narrow ranges of marks? And I, and I wanted to address that because I think it, it's really important. And 
it's actually a, a more fundamental question than, than it initially appears because it, it really depends what it is you think you're doing with education and assessment. So what, what is the point of teaching people and more to the point? What's the point of assessing them for what you've just told them? And I think for me, it is important that you have a wide range of marks. And there's, there's, there's a number of reasons that, well, firstly, if all of the work is of an identical standard, then sure, you don't have a narrow range of marks. But I think any of us who've marked student work would say that's not the case. And there is a very wide range of work that is submitted to you. But also, you've got to think about what you're trying to achieve with the students. So there is a school of thought that says all you want to do in a course is you want all of the students to meet the expected learning outcomes. And if the students reach the, or achieve those learning outcomes, they've passed the course. And there are proposals, and I think it's happening uh, in, our, in our deanery, for the, some of our courses will just be pass-fail. But all you need to do is achieve competency in those learning outcomes. And I think that's fine for some things. And you do want students to be able to achieve particular things. But then what if that learning outcome comes quite easily to one student? And they do that, they've achieved it. What do I do now? Well, if you're if you're not offering them the ability to get more for their work, then they might not stretch themselves as much as they as they could. So they might not go on and achieve more. And I think that's really important. And again, there is a bit of of reasonable evidence in in educational literature that that using grades does provide motivation for students so that that not just passing getting a good grade is a an important a a real motivator for students it it makes students work harder and makes them achieve more it's not perfect data but then none of this data ever ever is it's difficult and i i think that's that's really important And, and as i said i have students say to me well, what's the point of this? Why did you give this? And they, they get very disillusioned if they see that there are theoretical marks that no one ever gets. And I think if students become disillusioned and students think that marking is not fair, and there's a classic question on the uh, the National Student Survey, is marking an assessment uh, fair on your, in your course? And then we, we quite often get low marks, that, as do all universities, incidentally. That it's always one of the lowest satisfaction questions across many universities. But if students are not thinking what they're doing is fair, then why should they work hard? And why should they achieve the best that they can achieve? Uh, and yeah, that's something that I see, again, it's very difficult to know for sure, but it's definitely something that you see in the way students talk to you, that they, they really want want to feel that if they do something remarkable, they'll get the grade that that they feel they deserve for that. I mean, I will also point out students always feel that marking is unfair and they always feel that their marks depends only on their marker and not their piece of work. Even when you can demonstrably point to data that says that's not the case, students always feel aggrieved. It's, it's human nature. And I'm sure I was the same when I was a student. I'm not criticising our students. It's just human nature. But I think we, we need to provide the the opportunity for students to excel and in fact not only do i think we should we are required to by the uh, the quality assurance agency it's, it's one of the requirements of assessment and i i wrote down the, the wording just just in case it came in useful that students should ha- that assessment should allow students to have the opportunity to achieve standards above the threshold level so we're actually required to not just say oh yeah you've passed that's fine we need to help students really excel not just do all right as a student, I, I find that motivating. And also looking at the responsibility of the university, like you said, in challenging students, you know, if we're not just doing a pass-fail format, actually setting a precedent and saying, you can achieve this full range of marks if you put the work in. 
that's very motivating to me because if I know that I learn a certain amount and I can get to a certain place and there's not a likely place for me to get higher, I might say to myself, well, while I'm interested in this subject, I'm not as secure in another course of mine and I'm going to head over there and take my time and my learning, whereas I might not allocate my time similarly otherwise, if that's making sense. Yeah. Um, so I think that it, it is, it does put, I mean, it is the university's responsibility as, as you read in that document, but it's also coming from the student perspective, it is incredibly motivating to know that you can achieve that. And I think that I've been slightly spoiled in that, you know, coming from a mathematics background and having studied the last three years in math, there have been situations where I've seen course mates achieve those high marks and where I've even achieved those myself. And it feels really good. And it sets the precedent for the, the next semester saying, this is something you can achieve. This is something you can do. This is worth striving for. And I can imagine in other disciplines that might be less motivating not having that. Yeah, sure. And, and yeah, I think whatever we would like, in an ideal world, students are motivated by learning, that, that, which is true. Students are motivated by learning. But also being realistic, students are most motivated by getting the marks that says, this is what I have done at university. I think for for the majority, certainly not all students, but for the majority of students, that's the, the case. And it certainly was with me as a student. I Even though I was really interested in, in my subject, I wasn't going to do anything unless it was going to get me marks, generally speaking. So I think that it's not not reasonable to expect that that learning itself should be the the only motivator i hope it is a motivation and and when we survey our students they do they do say that they they are genuinely interested in the subject um and that that is inspiring for them but it's not the thing that makes them work hard all the time <laughs> like the goal is for it to be the primary motivator for each student but you know that that isn't realistic realistically a lot of times the primary motivator is the grades but yeah. hopefully there can be a little bit more balance in love of learning and then slightly below it, or maybe even further below it. So I think the, the, way I, marks. the way I think about it is in, in the long term, like what makes you decide you want to go to university and what makes you decide in particular you want to study that subject and why you think this whole thing is a good idea, that long-term thing, that's interest in the subject. Whereas what makes you work hard on a, on a Wednesday evening, you know, that's you getting the marks probably. So I, d I don't think they're even contradictory to each other. I, I don't have a problem with that. I, th I think all of us know that even if we think something's a good idea, we don't necessarily work hard at it all the time, unless there's a specific motivator. Some people do. There are those individuals who are just really motivated all the time, but it's not the majority of us. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. But I, I appreciate you bringing in the the conversation about why a range of marks is desirable. Because I remember actually during your presentation that popped up in the chat and spurred a conversation. And it's really fascinating to hear that it's really looking out for the student's best interest and looking at their motivation, as well as acknowledging the work that they put into the course. Because I imagine that also students might feel slighted if they feel like they've essentially mastered a course, but they're getting about the same mark as everyone else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think fairness is part of it. I and mean, I think just actually, if someone has done better, and, and realistically, you know, there, there's not just unacceptable and unacceptable. There's, <laughs> there's other standards of work. And I think, yeah, we want to be able to, fairness says that you should say, okay, that was an exceptional piece of work. And that people feel it is fair to be awarded something more if they've done that.
Yeah. And that, as a student, that sounds very enticing to me to be <laughs> rewarded for doing more and for putting the extra leg out there. And I have felt many situations in my academic career at University of Edinburgh where that has happened, thankfully. But I've also had experiences myself and heard of experiences from peers where they haven't felt necessarily acknowledged and they haven't felt that fairness. And as you expanded on earlier, that can largely come from times where students say, hey, these markings are unfair when you can statistically point to something and say, no, they're not. But well, they're not necessarily, I can't necessarily use statistics to say they're not unfair, but I can use statistics to say that the specific criticisms they're giving me are not true. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not that the markings are unfair, but that the criticisms that they're giving you for how markings are done, you're, no, there's a lot of evidence behind why these markings are the way that they are and why their criticisms aren't the most valid. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. No. Well, thank you so much for walking me through the presentation. I'm sure that anyone listening will really enjoy hearing about the full set of marks. And for anyone else interested, there will be a repost of your blog post initially about unexpected consequences to marking and assessment corresponding with this podcast. I'd highly advise anyone check that out to see some of the graphs and figures that come with this. Thank you so much for being here, Michael. No problem. Thank you very much. Cheers. Teaching Matters is brought to you by the University of Edinburgh's Institute for Academic Development. Episodes release every Wednesday. Please follow or subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed today's episode. We'd also be delighted for you to join the conversation. Please feel free to comment on our blog or email us at teachingmatters at ed.ac.uk. Music for today's show is provided by Tune Sounds. Until next time, stay curious. <laughs>